0: Drops in the pool, that is not cool I need the tools, take me to school Beat first end of this league Me first, that cannot be Under the underdog Monica G Feeling a whole lot better suddenly I get in, winning, winning again You one and two in the bag and I'm going for three That is the beat, down God of the best so I keep Now, y'all treading water for weeks now. Nah, now I'm the shark so I eat Now, nah, look, I am not sorry I understood the pump from which I started And never getting these drafts is cathartic so. To the to party, yeah. hey
1: everyone welcome to episode 157 dynasty underdog I'm your host Uriah Dawkins joining the night Billy Beeman, and it's officially preseason What's up, man?
0: Not much. Hey, my team Patriots getting going tonight. So, hey, this is is a great time for me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah.
1: Those Houston uh, uniforms look pretty sweet.
0: They're not bad. They're all right.
1: They're not bad, right? (laughs) I mean, it's Houston, but still.
0: I was like, oh, that kind of looks kind of slick. You see uh, CJ Stroud throw an interception there?
1: No, but, you know, what are you going to do? It's
0: preseason, I guess. This is when you got to get the kinks out, right? This uh, this is the time to do it. it
1: happens, yeah. You know, the worst thing is training camp interceptions. It's like. (laughs) Kimma. <laughs>
0: Kimma. I mean, it's, uh, it's interesting. These kind of things definitely can impact dynasty value. So, uh, you know, I don't know if this one necessarily will uh, will impact his value enough to go buy low or anything, but you know, you, you, you see him do this again uh, in another preseason game and people might start wanting to sell, sell off, you know? So there's a, there could be some opportunity there. Just keep an eye on it.
1: Yeah. true. Sure. I actually, I got a text from uh, one of my buddies. It's way off topic, but who cares? I got I got a text from my buddies down in California that I used to work with. Uh we we'll call him J. He's like the shop father, you know, he's like wants to be retired five years ago, but still has like ten years left and he's just like there. Too good of a job to leave and his family's there. But he's huge into uh football, so he always texts me even though I've been gone for almost two years now. And he was like, Hey, are you worried about Tack Prescott? He's like, There's a lot of concerns about him throwing interceptions in practice and also it's like I was like, Okay, yeah, he threw three in one day, but he's thrown like seven total and like forty-seven touchdowns. Like <laughs> It's preseason, guy. Like, I'm not concerned, but like, he he pretty much only consumes like mainstream sports media. So I was like, yeah, if he throws three touchdowns, the Dallas Cowboys quarterback's going to get some play on TV. You know, absolutely. That. It's like I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned.
0: Yeah, he's he's going to be on first take for sure, one way or another. You know, they're they're going to be. Uh, oh, I know. It's so <laughs> but if that's if that's what you're consuming, <laughs> then you're going to have a, a warped kind of view of what's going on. Right? That that's just how it goes. But. Yeah, man, it's preseason. It's the hype. It's it's camp hype. We're actually going to talk about some of it tonight with Jalen Tolbert. He's getting kind of a little buzz. We have uh, Demario Douglas, a guy probably most people haven't heard of on the Patriots. Very timely for the for the first preseason game for them. So yeah, we got some fun stuff to talk about tonight related to so, some of the hype coming up. Let's
1: right, hop into it. So uh, real quickly, we're just going to say that none of the free agent run, running backs have been signed except for Melvin Gordon, which we might have talked we did. about last week because we had that really iffy trade off if that, that was sent to me. We did.
0: We did. All right,
1: well, Joe was like, hey, this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, you know, we had Dalvin Cook watch there. Was he going to sign with the Jets? He's going to sign with the Colts. It, it, you know, he's been all over the board, but none of them been signed. So we still wait. We still have Dalvin Cook, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, and that's basically it ready to go. Uh, Jonathan Taylor's holding out. Dobbins is holding out. Stuff like this that we got to keep an eye on. But it probably all, in the end of the day, doesn't really mean much.
0: I don't know. It's It's interesting because I do think, like, People are touting Zeke and Fournette as good picks, like late underdog, which kind of makes me think that they might be good dynasty buys for contenders for cheap right now before they sign. Because it's it's been a long time now that they haven't signed, and I'm sure people are like, "What the hell?" Like, I, I just want to get out of this asset at this point, you know. So I guarantee you could send like a you know decent third at somebody, and they'd give you either one of those guys. And you know, I mean, Leonard Fournette could have some usability he he could have some value if he's behind like a Ramondre stevenson or something all year you know
1: oh absolutely i mean those three players they're gonna go play somewhere they're gonna they're gonna score points i mean not like they did three years ago but they're still gonna be some value they're gonna mess <laughs> That's up some great, sort of great way players. to
0: say it they're gonna screw something up
1: like, like i'm not afraid to roster any of them if i'm contending yep On now uh sky more so saw reports where someone's tracking all the two wide receiver sets coming out of Kansas City. MVS is obviously, quote unquote, like, you know, the wide receiver one there. But when there was two wide receiver sets, Sky Moore was in like always the second wide receiver. So as a Sky Moore truther, I'm very happy to see this. But like, I think this is very, very real. You're seeing them use it. And Sky Moore's a good player. So to see that they're using him when it's only two wide receivers out on the field, like pretty much all the time, I think it's something to take note of. And... If there's people who are like, man, I just I've been waiting for Camp Pipe to get out on Skymore because he had such a lackluster season right now. I'm on the other side saying,
0: yeah,
1: either because the team, they want to use him. And this, this, you know, this may come back to bite me, but like, I truly feel like when you see something like that with such a dynamic offense with such a elite quarterback, you kind of want that second wide receiver on that team. And this year, like, it's be like keep it
0: quiet. I want to buy the dip. I don't. I don't want the price to go up. I mean, while Rasheed Rice is getting the hype, and you know, he got. I think he had a little like hamstring thing or something like that, which could give Sky Moore some life. Like, you got it. If you are in on these guys still, you do want to get ahead of it, and they're cheap enough to where like I feel like you can buy these kind of dips. So yeah, I mean, you don't want to wait until you know preseason week three where Sky Moore has had like a hundred yards in a game, and you're just like, well, there goes the dip. <laughs> so I mean, like you know. Yeah, there's definitely you can argue how much upside Sky Moore has, and I definitely wouldn't pay a ton for him or anything like that because I think I think Justin Ross could be the guy. I think MVS could be the guy. It's going to be one of these guys any given week. If Sky Moore hits, he'll have a higher floor than most because he's going to be playing a a role that is going to be targeted slightly at at a slightly higher higher volume out of the slot most likely, right? So. you, you know, there there will be a floor there. I don't know if if he'll have like the upside that some of the other guys have, even like an MDS on a weekly basis, but uh, you know, do with that what you will.
1: <laughs> cool. Uh Jalen Tolbert uh is alive. So honestly, I mean so okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing
0: <laughs> Headline coming across the scroll this is the scroll, Jalen Tolbert is alive. So,
1: here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Once upon a time, we uh we used to realize that wide receivers break out either late in their second year or the third season, and we used to give them a little bit of time to, like, I don't know, marinate and grow and become NFL players. But then we found out through your research that investing in year one face plants, quote-unquote, wide receivers, is just, like, not a very good option. So I think the Dynasty community is getting a little bit smarter in getting off on these guys sooner, which is probably the thing, but, like, I'm a sucker, right? Like, I'm with the girl I was with, you know, when I was uh, 18. You know, it's 20 years ago. It's our anniversary today, by the way. So happy anniversary!
0: Congratulations! Yeah, Congratulations.
1: she's at gymnastics with the kids, so that's that's why I'm doing this.
0: <laughs> Parent life, come on! But it's okay. So
1: Tolbert had one year to become an NFL player, and all the reports are, you know, paraphrasing things like, "Oh, it actually looks like he's an actual NFL player, and not trying to learn how to be an NFL player." And you see, time and time again, Tolbert's making really good catches out there, and this guy's got to be dirt cheap. He's probably out on waivers right now. Like people have probably given up on him. A long time ago and probably rightfully so. I'm not saying this year he's going to be anything special but like he's building something and we have uh Brandon Cooks on a one year rental probably uh Michael Gallup coming off of ACL who knows how long he's going to be there but like there's a really good chance that Tolbert might be wide receiver 2 next to CeeDee Lamb starting in 2024. It's not too crazy to think uh given what he's been showing but just something out there if you get him cheap get him for a fourth uh get him off waivers or something yeah i'd go out and do that
0: yeah i i could see his value rising from from a you know fourth round rookie pick or something because i i I think really optimally ideally he ends up being like the third wide receiver i don't think he has wide receiver two nfl ability to be honest with you Uh, that that's just me personally and he has a i think he does have a a few obstacles in his way i mean brandon cooks he may be a one-year rental he's been a one-year rental for half the teams he's played for but he could be good enough and if they have some success this year they might want to keep that together and then you, you got to think that they want to keep at least one of cooks or michael gallup and if not they're going to bring somebody else in right that's talented likely more talented than than Jalen tolbert i just want to run through real quick uh, what i said about him from a film perspective in 2022 Just in general, he was below average in almost every aspect from like separation, route running, hands, elusiveness, like all categories. Uh, It doesn't help for sure that the first target I watched was a clear drop off a slant, like just nobody even near him. But regardless, drops were a recurring thing that came up in his tape. Concentration drops, not just contact, but okay footwork at the line, slow off the release, doesn't get a ton of separation, routes are a bit careless. Size provides natural separation at times, will win some contested matchups as a result, no real burst or explosiveness whatsoever, lack of yak ability, not much elusiveness, no broken tackles or lateral quickness. Good blocker. Profiles is a one trick pony type that may not get much play in the league without major improvement in all aspects. So maybe he's made a big jump from year one to year two and he's improved, you know, some of those aspects that I talked about there, but I'm not super high on him and uh, and I wouldn't be going out really trying to have a lot of him in my profile, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, I, I guess on, on a specific team and specific situations for like a fourth round pick, you, you could do worse. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. And you know, just to be fair to the other side of things, Jalen Tober, you know, breakout age 21, small school, small guy, average dominator, 42.2% PPR points per game, 17.5 average yards per route, run 2.5. Really good. Average right. Uh, routes run for team pass attempt is 2.9 also very good this is a guy that we had in our model last year that if i removed your film grade, he would have been you know a top five player in our model so it's just one of those like analytics versus film type things that kind of like i don't think he's i don't i don't think he's going to be like this you know really 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 good ride receiver uh you know that everybody's going to be watching uh drafting in the third fourth rounds of Startups at any time soon, but I think that he does have a chance to be a guy that you could flex for the next four years. So we'll see. Next one, Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas, another guy that, you know, it, much like Dalen Tolbert, like no one's really heard of until he was drafted. And even Demario Douglas, like nobody was even really talking to him about him and after he was drafted, mostly when kind of training camp, uh, he's been getting a lot of hype. So, quote was, you know, through 13 days uh, of training camp, Demario Douglas hasn't had a bad one. And I know you're like really plugged into the Patriots. So why don't you tell us about it and what you saw in film?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because guys slip through the cracks all the time. Demario Douglas this year was one of them that I, I can't stand this. These are the guys that like I, I was talking about this last year and I think at the beginning of this year trying to dig deeper. And I think we did a good job in that. But again, you you missed some. They slipped through the cracks and uh, I didn't even do a film review on Demario Douglas until this week. So I did a quick one, make sure I had I was ready for this this show. But he's been getting buzz all throughout camp. Like over, you know, we, we drafted in the sixth round, uh, well, what was everybody's guy? Uh, Ke- Keishan Butte. We drafted him and Demario Douglas has been outplaying him from the jump, like every single second of camp. And he's just a shifty guy. He's been able to get open against uh, against at least the second team defenders. We'll see if he can do that against first team but he's, he's just getting a ton of buzz out of camp. So I figured it's good to talk about him because, you know, some of these late round guys, they do pop for the Patriots. It, it's unique. Patriots look for these guys in the late rounds and, and some of, sometimes they are successful. And this guy does fit the profile of kind of a slot receiver. He's a smaller guy, but I'll just run through what I, what I looked at on tape, what I found on tape and your and eye can take it from there. So I was actually pretty impressed with this guy. I had to like taper it down. I was like, wait, Patriots bias. Let's, Tone it down a little bit here. Yeah. But he shows good quickness off the line. He exhibits some micro movements during routes, which is something you really want to see. You don't see that out of all, all young players, right? The suddenness and those small movements during during the route, right? A little raw in terms of technique. He doesn't really drop his hips or use his arms or body to deceive defenders during the route, mainly natural speed and shiftiness. But again, mid-route, you'll see these little micro movements that, that he's able to kind of keep his speed, Keep on his route, keep on his path. He can evade defenders that way. I don't know if it necessarily deceives them, but it's it's a natural speed and shiftiness that he can use against his opponent. He he has a good whip route against UMass that I was watching. He has a good high point catch against UMass I was watching. He really overcame some some poor QB play. He has an okay release. Again, I think he could refine some of his technique. He does show a couple times where he does put multiple moves on a defender during a route. He I think he has a plan going into his routes and he and he definitely executes it at times. Uh, he exhibits some ability after the catch as well. He does have some lateral, some lateral agility slightly stiff though he's one of those guys almost that's like super fast but he like leans with his whole body sometimes and not necessarily using you know just his lower body to evade defenders it's, it's an he's an interesting athlete the one thing I will say though is he didn't get pressed much like at all because he mainly played out of the slot guys played off him so he, he really was given that advantage of, of just a lot of space on the field I don't think he's going to get that much in the NFL but they'll probably scheme him up pretty well on the Patriots with Bill O'Brien if he's able to to lock in a roster spot so He's an interesting player. I do think that he shows a good he shows some again movement during the route, but I there's something about his technique that needs to be refined for sure. It's a little stiff.
1: And to be fair to get the other side of things, breakout age twenty-one, again, small school guy. Average dominator, twenty-one point six, not the best PPR points per game, twelve point six. Little lackluster there. Average yards per route run, two point seven is really good. Average receiving yards per team pass, a ten point five is a little bit below two, which we don't really want to see. But here's one thing that is fun, and I'll touch on their reception completion percentage, which is I think actually makes a two stand out. But he had a uh, fourteen yards per carry. I think he had like I think he only had like eight carries or maybe ten carries, but you know it shows that like he could do stuff. But looking at the uh, reception percentage, it was like seventy two percent. And then Tolbert Tolbert's was like high 50s. So when you're talking about Tolbert's drops, you know, kind of stands out there. So fun anyways. These guys are getting a lot of hype in camp right now. So it's like, wow, what's well, what's revisit. I don't think we ever did like a proper profile on either, either of these guys.
0: Yeah, I, I like Mario Douglas like a lot more than I like Tolbert as a prospect. and And really more just from a film perspective. I can't say as a prospect, but on film, I like him a lot more. I think that he offers a bit more he's much more dynamic that's for sure and i think he's the kind of player that that bill both bills want to use bill squared in new england so yeah i I, again like this isn't a guy who i'm same thing as tolbert most i'd probably pay as a fourth maybe a third uh, you know late third on the right team if i'm a contender and i just want to have some fun with this and i'm a patriots fan or something i'm not really this guy is not going to you know come out and and be amazing for a for, for your dynasty team long-term, unless you're playing best ball, I guess, which he, he could be because he has that pop to him. But the 14 yards per per carry is pretty funny. I saw that when I looked up the stats. I was like 105 rushing yards last year. I was like, that's interesting. Like, where did that come from? And honestly, I mean, at Liberty, it's at Liberty, like you said, small, small school. Yeah. He didn't do anything really until last year where he had like 79 catches for like, I think it was almost 800 yards, six touchdowns. So he was productive, at, you know, at, at an older age, obviously, when you should be productive. So i don't know i mean he seems like he could be a player <laughs> he seems like he could be a player that's all. all right
1: who scores more fantasy points this year tolbert or demario
0: oh demario douglas easy Woo-hoo! easy i like it <laughs> i'll take tolbert oh i'm such a homer uh, me too such a- we're homers <laughs> we we're myself. the worst <laughs> we're the worst and
1: he was it cost you a fourth to to gamble yeah
0: Oh my goodness! Okay, I, I think like honestly, those late those late guys are sometimes the best ones to talk about. Whenever we we do content at DFF for, you know, well-known players and stuff, it really doesn't get the views or the clicks. But when you do, you know, late round guys, it's like they. I think Jerome Ford or or uh, what's the other guy there? Not even that. It might have been um, what's the pass catching back, uh, that they drafted there in Cleveland you don't remember what his name is, Felton. Oh, uh, Demetric. Yeah, Demetric Felton. One of those He's guys is receiver, like one yeah. of the top. Yeah, yeah, wide receiver, but plays running back kind of. One of those guys is like one of the top articles at DFF. And it's because people want to know about the guys they don't know about. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So I think going over like Tolbert's and Douglas's, like it seems trivial at the time. You're like, they don't bring much value. But I think these are the guys who are available on waivers. These are the guys who are available to go get for cheap. So it's worth talking about them for sure. And, and it's worth keeping them on your radar.
1: Speaking of guys available on waiver, let's go back to what we talked about uh, last week with roster cutdowns and paying attention to who's getting dropped and all that. I picked up Hunter Henry off of waivers for
0: in where, what league for
1: free 50, $0. Um, it's a league that's run by Dan.
0: Okay. I mean, yeah, that's insane.
1: Yeah, it isn't. That's
0: insane.
1: I've never picked up a a waiver where I had comments in the section saying, Hey, good pickup. Like, I was like, yeah, like, I can't believe he was just sitting there. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll trade Durnham Smythe for uh, Hunter Henry and see what happens. So yeah, pay attention.
0: Definitely pay attention. I've been actually listening to um, the Sickos podcast, Legendary Upside, uh, which is, it's it's really, I mean, they do Dynasty and stuff like that, but it's it's more uh, best ball. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. I have it on the tip of my tongue. But these guys won, like, the uh, a couple BBMs, and, and Jacob Sanderson goes on there all the time and stuff, and they're just obviously really good at at best ball and winning a lot of money playing fantasy. They were talking about today how Hunter Henry is literally free in, in underdog drafts and Gasicki is actually going ahead of him, which is crazy because Gasicki is definitely not going to be playing the majority of the time. And they're talking about in in Patriots camp about how the two tight end sets aren't aren't working out great. And if there's one tight end sets, it's going to be Hunter Henry most of the time. So it's just like a, it's just a crazy value thing. I actually got him for a fourth in a, like a startup this year. Somebody wanted to trade me for my fourth or something. I was like, yeah, sure, then why not? Yeah. Like that's an easy bet. So yeah, right there with you.
1: Cool. All right. So this one kind of came up through um, one of our listener leagues. We had a owner place a pretty hefty bet on or a bid, I guess, on on a on waivers. And he was like, oh, it's cool. He's like, I could blow it all right now and get my player. And our fab, you know, it re-ups in a couple of weeks. And in our Dynasty Underdog Listener Leagues, we do not do that. We we have fresh FOB money, you know, after rookie draft and all that, when waivers are open. And then that's all you have for the rest of the year. But he was not aware. He thought it got replenished. I am in a league where it does get replenished like that. But so now he's going to have not a whole lot of FOB to work with for the rest of the year, which is fine. Like, I mean, I... I've been a proponent for kind of blowing it in the first place. It's not redraft redraft. Like I, I would never say just blow your fab uh, depending, but in dynasty, it's like, it's the last thing that like, for me personally, I want to do is like worry about fucking waivers in dynasty. Like our, our, our teams are so deep. That's very rarely. You're going to get a guy that's really going to matter. So if there's somebody that's like popping and you're really interested, just blow it, go for it. But he wasn't doing it because of that. He's doing it because he thought he was going to get more fab. So this is again, you know, this is just dynasty one hundred and one type stuff. Like, you know, just remember to check the rules again.
0: Absolutely, this is uh, this is something I encountered too. It's not just our league mate here that that did this. So it's not like we're putting him on blast. I think this is a good time of year to talk about this stuff because we're encountering it, and it happened to him, and it happened to myself as well. I was in, I'm, I was just in a salary uh, free agent auction, salary cap dynasty league and there's a lot of rules obviously when you're in a salary cap league uh, in terms of you know penalties for dropping players and whatnot so we actually recently changed the rules from if you drop a player at any time even during the auction half of his salary still counts against your cap right that was not the case before i forgot this there was some comments uh, like during the auction that made it seem like it was still what the previous rules were i didn't go check the rules I made a drop and I ended up saying immediately, like, can we like reverse this? And I went to the commissioner and he was like, yeah, sure. But like, I had already said anybody who does any who messes up, there's a $3 penalty for your first one. So you're taking a $3 hit and I'm like, whatever it is what it is, but that's way worse. Like I have three less overall dollars on my salary cap for my overall team that, you know, I could get a $1 guy who really matters. Like those things matter a lot. It's just a really, really big reminder to... Go and review your rules anytime you're going to do anything, especially if you're unsure. Go review the rules and make sure that you are you're following them because he, the penalties can can vary and they you know the consequences can be steep. So you just got to make sure you know what you're doing and it's always on you. It's on you. Like that was on me. I'm not blaming anybody else for that. That's on me. I take my hit and if I had to take the fifty percent of the way of the you know of the salary and the player goes back into the pool, then. It is what it is. You take the L and you just got to roll with it. But that's how it goes sometimes, man.
1: Good lesson learned.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was a lesson learned. I was not happy with myself. I don't don't make a lot of mistakes like that, you know, and it it really, it really bugged me. But it was, it's, I think it was good to bring up on the show for this.
1: Cool. All right. I'll let you take this one because this is, this is all you. I still, I still have not done an auction.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you definitely should get into a slow auction league because I can help you out a lot. And they are, they are so much fun. But they do require a lot of effort and commitment. Like, for in my opinion, if you want to, if you want to really control the board and you want to enforce your your will on on the league, like you need to really devote some some time and attention to the auction draft. And just it takes a while. The slow ones. The, it, this isn't going to end in a day. It's going to be a two week thing, probably maybe longer. You know. So let's get into it. I want to talk about some slow auction tips, art of kind of bidding, art of auctioning. Call it whatever you want. I'm trying to like come up with some terms for all this stuff because I do want to write an article. And I, I do think I have some good strategy around slow auctions now for fast auctions. A lot of this wouldn't work. I think there's a lot more strategy to slow auctions. So I'm a very big proponent of, of the slow auction format in dynasty. It's just, it makes so much more sense. And, and the values you you get real values. It's not like, you know, in a snake draft where you kind of are subject to the round you're in and you just, there's certain players you're not going to get in the next round. Like that's not how this is. If you want a player you have an opportunity to get a player every 12 every manager gets an opportunity and that's a very unique setting for for fantasy when we're typically used to snake draft so let me get into it when you're in there's a lot of different rules typically though you have a certain amount of nominations right like a limited amount of nominations or i mean maybe they're unlimited but that would be a little ridiculous you just have like the whole board up usually it's like every manager can nominate three players on the first day you know another three on the second or on the third day or, or you can't nominate more until your nominations are off the board something like that there's a limit right and that's significant because you can be strategic with your nominations if you have a limit that means that maybe they matter more at sometimes right now say for example just very baseline common strategy nominate players you don't want right like that's a good way to use your nominations initially make people pay for players that you know you're not going to pay for throw guys out there, right? That's a that's a huge one and that's a very simple one. I think another one is you can hold your nomination. Say you have a certain limit, right? And everybody's used theirs. You have 3 guys you can put on the board at any time right now, right? So you can kind of wait until the board it looks a certain way till you need people spending their budget on other assets and you can shake up the board, toss a couple high value assets on the board for low prices and make people bid on these guys, right? Like you can impact, manipulate the board in this way, make people do things that maybe they didn't want to do, spend money they didn't want to spend. That's one. i call it strategic nomination if I didn't say that. Next one here is the idle up bid. Something you can kind of gauge based on your league is if you're in a slow auction, it's a long clock, 12 hour clock, let's say, right? Maybe eight hours, 12 hours, probably typical. If somebody is at a certain price on the clock for the majority of the time, not getting any love, You may know that he's hit almost a ceiling on his price right maybe people don't want to go much further than what his price is right now they're not willing to spend much more okay maybe you maybe you like this guy and you're willing to or maybe you you feel okay i can put him up a dollar or two restart the clock on on the bid right because that's how slow auctions work when you increase the bid to another high bid it's going to reset the clock to another 12 hours So it gives everybody opportunity to see it again. It's on the board for longer. They can go take another shot at it. Maybe the player that you just upbid really wants that guy and now is going to upbid again. right? And now you made them spend more money on that player. So uh, I, I think just keeping a pin on the players that are sitting on the board for a long time, you can make a decision whether you want to upbid them or not, knowing that either one, you're more likely to get that player than not. So if you want them, you just upbid a little bit and you're, you potentially get them because nobody else was doing it, you probably are the last guy to upbid or the, or your your idea is, I'm just going to go a dollar and make this guy bid again, force his budget up, right? It'll give me my money back, force this guy to be on the clock longer. or other people to make decisions. And, and you can kind of use it in that strategic way. I got three more here. I'm just going to run through them. Top down bidding. This is huge for me. And I don't know if everybody kind of sees this when they're, doing auction drafts or or uses it in a strategic way people might see some of these as annoying tactics but they work so i don't really care but top-down bidding essentially if you're holding the highest bid with the least amount of time left there's a significant advantage to that right essentially you know how much you're going to spend on this player right and he's at the top of the board there's a bunch of players underneath you you still have an opportunity to bid on them either before your player is is one in auction or after right and i think there's an advantage to that because you can hold your budget until your player is one then shake up the board once secured you got to think about this logically if if i'm sitting there with my highest bid on the board at the very top with an hour left right and there's a bunch of players on the board with eight hours left and i go ahead and i just start using my budget oh i'm gonna upbid all these guys da, 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 da. everybody's gonna start getting emails noticing yo this guy's like shaking the board up let's just i got money back let me go up his guy right let me go up his player who's about to be off the board i can just i have all this money available He's at $20, $21. Now you're on the board for another 12 hours and we got to wait, right? That sucks. So for me, I'm going to wait until my player is one. not shake up the board, let everybody think everything's cool. And then my player is one. I know for a fact that that money is out of my budget, secured player. I know what my new budget is. Now I can go and impact the board. I can change it up, make people, you know, upbid other players. I can make players that were at the top with two hours left, go to the bottom, 12 hours left, right? Whole, whole bunch more time for me to decide what I want to do because I know most likely somebody's going to upbid a bunch of these guys that I upbid. Usually I'll do it on players I don't want that I know have more room to grow in terms of, of price point. So that I think is a massive advantage that people don't pay attention to and they just bid, 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 bid. And when I see that I'm like your money's not there I'm just going to start bidding on some of your guys in a way that that makes it difficult for you to do what you're trying to do. Next one here is kind of in line with with this midnight clock management, midnight management. This is a really <laughs> this is a savage uh a savage tactic, but it works and and I I executed it flawlessly in this uh in this recent auction. I've done it before in the same league in years past, but what this is is essentially again, like there's a lot of timing to it if you it's a 12 hour clock so if you bid on a player at a certain time you can line it up in the middle of the night where you're winning a player around 1am 2am 3am when not many people are really checking in on the uh on, on the draft board but you are right so the idea is again because i'm paying so much attention to the board if i have players that are going to be one around that time i kind of want to be up to see if somebody else upbid me so that i can impact the board again because if somebody upbids me I have a bunch of money i can go ahead and impact the board there may be guys at that late hour that are going to be one that i wouldn't have a chance at right so that's one but say you have a situation where your opponent has put the highest bid on a player and they have an hour and 10 minutes until it'll be complete and won at one at 1am in the morning right and you have a player right behind him at one hour and 11 minutes is going to be one. So you guys are back-to-back, but his is going to be one right before yours. But you want that guy, or you want to impact his price. But you don't want to shake up the board, going back to my previous point, right? You don't want to shake up the board before before you're going to win your guy. So there's a minute difference in between these two guys. So if I wake up at 1250, and I wait till just before he wins his guy, I upbid his guy, it goes to a twelve. 12- Twelve hour clock again, and I win my guy a minute later. Nobody knows I shook up the board until they wake up. Essentially, nobody had an opportunity to do anything to my bid because I bid their bid right before mine. Is, it, is this one lining up for you, Uriah? Does that one make sense?
1: Yeah, no, it's good. I have a very good question from a auction newbie. When you're all done, though.
0: Sure. I mean, I'm actually about done. It's it's you know it it,
1: it tracks it tracks with your diabolical uh, way of playing <laughs> dynasty everything from the startups <laughs> to trades to holding your, you know, league mates, uh, feet to the fire. And it's just, it's, it's quintessential Willie Beeman. Yeah. yeah oh, I'm not surprised.
0: bad. It's bad. This, this one definitely makes me feel bad for the other person. Cause like, I know, like, I know it's annoying, but also I just won the player. I upbid your guy. Like it, it, it is so effective and it's, it, it, it helps you so much. It just, If you're not doing it to me, I don't like you're missing out. I guess that's how I I think of it. And and I get somebody upbid me the day before with 13 minutes left on the clock for a guy. So I don't know if that was strategic or if they just saw it. But I guess they don't know if it was strategic or I just saw it either when I do it. But if you're listening to this podcast, you know it wasn't. (laughs) Um, So the last the last thing I'll say is manipulation and control. Manipulate and control. Those are the these are like the key fundamentals to managing a slow auction draft in my opinion you want to control the board and force others to overspend as much as possible you want to underspend as much as possible i keep a sheet and i track and make sure i'm not spending over a certain amount per player a certain percentage of my cap there's a lot of things i look at to kind of manage myself and make sure i'm not overspending but at the same time that allows me to see how much other people are excuse me other people are spending if i think they're spending enough on x player and then it allows me to know okay i have a range where i can upbid them and if i win them i'm okay with that If I don't, I know that I'm pushing them. I know that I'm pushing the envelope on them and I can see their salary. And that's another big part of it is tracking player salaries and and looking at how much they have left to to do what they want to do and try to, you know, manipulate it in that way too. But again, I think too many people truthfully go through slow drafts, just trying to get players and just trying to like, literally just like, I'm going to nominate this player and I'm going to try to get this player. I'm going to bid on that player and hopefully I get him i am literally trying to make the board do something i want it to do i'm trying to make people do things they don't want to do and i think most people aren't doing that so if you are doing that you're probably going to influence the board and you're going to influence other managers
1: so good all right <laughs> what was the it's question just like a master class in an uh, auction strategy so, okay, so i think one of those things because i've never asked you or anybody what does a auction draft board look like? Is this a Google sheet you guys keep track of or is it, it's not, it's not through any platform, right?
0: No, it is. It's MFL. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to go to it right now and see if it's, it should still be up. I can show you the completed. I'll share my screen. I'll show you the completed and I'll show you just the board, which doesn't have anybody on it right now. But so also this was um, James, the brain started this league a long time ago. That's why he's right here. He passed away. Unfortunately. Yeah, RIP. And John Bosch kept this league alive. Fortunately for us which is it's an amazing league and he started such a good league so uh shout out shout out james we should dedicate this episode to him so essentially there would be players up here where it says no current auctions and it would show the time it started the last bid time left the bid amount highest bidder's money left the current bid in the player right and then down here you'd select which player you want and submit the bid based on your cap you could see when it started when it finished but yeah, I mean, it's it's really interesting. But it's on MFL, and, and MFL does an amazing job with it. I love it.
1: And what do you start out with? Usually like 100 bucks. 300, 300. This is 300 okay, cool,
0: cool. The the league. But um, it's also whatever, like if you had players on your team already, that would be subtracted from your auction budget, right? So your $300 budget is your waiver wire budget, your auction. It's your entire, it's everything. That's all you have. So, so you have to be very um, savvy with it. But either way, one way or another. Yeah, that's um, the auction. Yeah, I would highly, highly recommend getting into an auction draft. Very fun on MFL.
1: I'll see if I could find some degenerates out there that are going to start an auction draft. And I need to get in there because I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. And it sounds like so much fun. (laughs) And I just I just never got into it. Honestly, a lot of it's I haven't got into it. I don't really know how it works. I didn't realize there's a platform through MFL that like they do
0: auctions there. So That's cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, no. And if and we might be able to find one together for next year. I'll, I'll I'll get into one or two more next year, and and maybe we can find one. But yeah, I I just one thing. I the last thing I will say is like the sl- the slow auctions are so much different than the fast auctions. If you just think about it, you cannot apply as many strategic elements to it because the clock is is going, you know, we're going right now. It's like, we're all auctioning at the same time. We all know that you, you can't wait. You can't manipulate the board based on time. You can't use that to your advantage. And and that's a big part of it. So anyway, that, that's all I got on, on auctions.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun article once you come through with it. I like all the uh, the things you've named it. Your strategic nomination, the of bid, top-down bidding, midnight management, and manipulate and control. That's it's good. You're onto something here.
0: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I, and it's funny, man. Like a lot of this stuff, that goes to the articles and videos is like cooked up here yeah you know you've seen the kitchen underdog so so it's it's um i appreciate having this this platform to do that and uh and then be able to kind of turn it into more so yeah we'll keep a keep a lookout for the article
1: all right let's uh hop into some trades non-trades and then we get the hell out of here so this one is not mine it's just one i saw on twitter and i thought it was super interesting because i think this kind of encapsulate some of the things that we we've talked about uh, as far as getting younger or or whatnot depending on what you need for your team so the trade was Dak prescott plus justin jefferson plus antonio gibson for jalen hurts plus cup plus
0: connor yeah that's a that's an interesting one i didn't see that come across twitter but yeah i, I think you know kind of what we're talking about and how flat the qb position is and I, we love jalen hurts but we also love Dak prescott around here and we know how good he is, and we know how great Justin Jefferson is, and that's really where the divide is here for me. And like you said, kind of this is one of those trades where it allows you to get younger as a whole and extend your lifespan uh, as a dynasty team. So I think I'd definitely take the Dak Jefferson side here. As a whole, I think it's just the, it's the winner.
1: Absolutely. Whoever's getting the Hurts side is going to be absolutely stoked that they're getting Hurts. Hertz for fantasy so far has proven to be better than Dak in fantasy. Cup is really, really good. And he might have one or two more years left. Antonio Gibson, Connor, it's a kind of a wash here. Like, I don't really care about either player. They're both going to score you points. Who scores more? Who knows? Probably Connor. But the Justin Jefferson addition right here just kind of puts it over the top here. Like, if I had Hertz, Cup, and Connor, I would definitely trade for Dak, Jefferson, and Gibson for the year just to get that young wide receiver stud, Justin Jefferson's about to break records, right? It's it's insane how good he is. I just thought it's a very interesting trade. And it's just one of those things that I I think I would absolutely do. Like, I don't think at the end of the day, going on to 2024, that the team that has hurts cup and Connor is going to look any better than the team that has Dak Jefferson and Gibson. And even for this year, like the, points that are going to be scored i don't think it's going to be that big a difference at all but i love these trades and it's just kind of something that we talk about by getting younger and maybe uh selling high on players where the uh points aren't that different like between like hertz and Dak or whatever like it, it, it's pretty minimal between what jefferson is going to do over the next few years versus cup and connor and Gibson. So. That's a lot of like word salad, but I take the deck side.
0: No, I mean, uh, yeah, we agree here. I do think though that I mean, I think this is a pretty solid trade in general. I think long term, the Jefferson the Jefferson side you want. Who, if you're a good enough contender, that hurts Cup side could win you the the league this Absolutely. year. Absolutely, it's not like a bad trade or anything like that by any means. Going the other way, but one of them certainly ex- certainly has more potential to extend your lifespan in dynasty. You just get a quarterback who is going to score likely score, to score similar points per game as Hurts, and has some longevity left. Plus, you have Jefferson, who is just by far the best piece in this this trade. Honestly,
1: cool. All right, so this next one is a trade I made that just it came through my inbox, and again, I talked about it like recently, just going through Dynasty, uh, going through rookie drafts and stuff, like how much I've been hating drafting fourth-round players, unless it's Clayton <laughs> Toon, which I you know I really like that guy this year. But uh, someone sent me uh, in Console Wars N V S for 2024 fourth. I'm like, sweet, I don't really want to pick whoever's going to be there in the fourth round anyway. And I'll take NBS, who's probably going to be, you know, the the wide receiver one and the Chiefs. I don't think NBS is, like, anything great, but he's going to be probably flexed out uh, in that league mo- uh, pretty much every week for me this rest of the year, so... Basically twenty four fourth that I don't want for a player that's going to score me some points. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I love this when I saw it. Uh, just the the fourth is not going to do nearly what MVS can do for you on a week to week basis. Like you said, potentially the wide receiver one for Patrick Mahomes. It, it, when I saw this, I was like, great job. And I'm surprised that you didn't send the offer. I'm surprised the offer was sent yeah, to you. Yeah. I don't need receivers in that league. Otherwise, I would go after the other copies. But I might do that in leagues where I'm. I'm a little thin at the position because I think that's a great value.
1: I mean, there is a a world we live in where if it was a third, I still might have done it.
0: Oh, I know you probably would. I think I would push for the fourth, but he's honestly probably going to be worth a third. Like he had a bad Super Bowl, I'm pretty sure, or or at least a tough playoff run, but definitely I think it was a a bad Super Bowl. And I think that everybody has a bad taste in their mouth still and just thinks he's trash. But he had, I mean, on a week-to-week basis, he can have an absolute monster game
1: i i, I predict to be in my lineup probably you know 75 percent of the weeks out there so you know as a flex the way that we have it structured in console wars where i could flex as many wide receivers as i want so anyways yeah pretty stoked about that
0: all right last one we got here this was an interesting one um i'll definitely give some explanation for the other side because i was it was actually explained to me why they wanted to do it interesting thought process we can talk through real quick but it was a I gave up a 2025 first, second, and third for a 2024 first and second. So I paid a third to get the picks a year early, essentially, the first and second a year early instead of two years down the road, which also offers me, if I'm not mistaken, I have two firsts and two seconds now in 2024. So there's that advantage too, which to me, it's just like very obvious to like move picks two years away that are the, that are you know in the same range for picks one year away just because you're going to get return on the investment earlier even if you move the picks so there's there's just that side of it to me but the other manager their thinking is essentially they're going to try to win this year so those picks would be at the end of the at the end of the round right they'd be 112 and 212 or close to it and then it would be a wash at that point anyway, right? Or if it didn't work and they didn't win,
1: they have ammo.
0: Then they have ammo and they can more easily buy up 2025 picks because they're still going to be cheap, right? So they're already have, have, have already kind of moved their, their assets to 2025, knowing that if they fail, they can go and shoot for 2025 instead of 2024, which would be a little bit easier and cheaper. So from that respect, it was an interesting idea. Like I'm like, it, it could work out for you for sure, per, but now like even if you didn't tell me that it didn't matter because my thought process would be I'm going to try to impact this team somehow to make them worse all year, right? Mm-hmm. Or so so that my so that I get better picks in 2024, obviously, and then my picks in 2025. I'm hoping that my team, obviously, you know how I play, I want to be winning earlier than later. So I'm hoping I'm if not this year, then next year I'm going to be contending and that my 2025 picks will be later so we're both kind of playing a similar game but the opposite game in a way yeah yeah it's, it's a very interesting trade i don't know what do you feel about it
1: no i mean i think this is you know the perfect type of trade for the two different situations if you're gonna get a 24 one and two it's gonna cost you a 25 three right like, you know, that's kind of the going rate. And now, honestly, it might might have to cost you a, a three and a four. But, uh, yeah, I like it. I mean, I like it because there's, there's background behind it. There's a reason why the guy's doing it. He's going to push for it. And he knows he has a year or two to kind of make it happen. But he's already preparing because this game's not easy. It's hard. If you don't make it to the show, you know you have a little bit of surplus here to kind of reload. You don't have to make those picks. You could turn those picks into actual players, which is probably the smarter thing to do. I think it's a good trade. It's not something that like... I'm not sure if that's something I would do just because that's not the way I play, but uh, there's nothing wrong with it. And I think it's very equal for both of you guys.
0: Yeah, and it's not something I go out and like I would go out and send... I wouldn't really go out and send this offer, but I don't know. Like it's it's interesting for sure. I think both managers like or at least the manager giving up the 2024 first has to have the mindset that that this manager has in in terms of like dogs freaking out in terms of, you know, if it doesn't work out this year, I can sell the farm for 2025. It's a really interesting strategy and a forward thinking strategy. Again, I, and I sent him the, the meme. I was like, well, it's a bold strategy cotton. Let's see if that works out for him because uh, it is it's a bold strategy it's very interesting but it does have some legs to it like it has some logic to it and and i think that's what both your eye and i respect about it and what anybody listening this to it would respect about it it's like on the face of it you're like why would that happen but then you listen to it and you're like eh, there's actually that kind of makes sense i guess like that that does make sense so. and, and there's it, zero risk it, it, yes there is your there, there's not yeah, and there's not much risk. There's for sure not much risk, and he gained a third on top of it, so he did gain an asset. But he he did say that uh, that he got the idea from listening to one of our shows. It was the last one, and the one one before. So shout out, love that. Dude, love that. Yeah. One thing we didn't talk about, and we don't need to sit on it, but we didn't talk about Kenny Gainwell. He's been oh, running yeah. back one in camp, and it hasn't been close apparently, which is wild considering there's DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny too, uh first and the second round pick in there. Yeah. Right.
1: So yeah. Uh... Yeah. The courts were game well, running back one in camp by, like, uh, four times. Four times a carry, four times the attempts, all that stuff, compared to Penny. And you have also Trey Sermon is getting a little bit more play than Penny. So, and DeAndre Those Swift is...
0: Catch, catching up?
1: I don't know what's going on there. I have no idea what's going on there. So, it's just something to be interesting to see. Uh... Is there a chance that Gamebolt could be RB one on that team? Yeah, sure can be. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, I, it's possible. I'm not entirely interested in any Philadelphia running back. It haven't been for years. Uh-huh. Um, but it is interesting. It's not what I expect because DeAndre Swift, I think, is more talented than all those guys. And you know, Penny's definitely. <laughs> I think they're better. But yeah, the fact that Gamebolt's getting the, the the play is just something to keep an eye on. I guess. Your game will shares live.
0: Yeah, gain will shares live. He's been pretty good on a per touch basis for, for Philly. But I will say, if you want to invest in that backfield, like, I don't think this is going to make this news, might not even reach your league mates, depending, you know, how much they pay attention. But I don't even think this would make him as expensive as the other ones. And that's the cheapest way to get a part of the backfield. So why not? Right. right. Like that. Yeah. That's definitely an opportunity there if you want to explore it. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah. I forgot it just kind of skipped over that but man
0: i got you brother thanks
1: man you're the best anything else you want to talk about
0: no nah, man we crushed the show i don't care what anybody says
1: y'all no, gotta listen we gotta we gotta get more listeners <laughs> but uh yeah
0: we do we do
1: thank you guys for all giving us a listen uh check us out on spotify if you can uh follow us on twitter dynasty underdog uriah dawkins at Uri dawkins and at willie Beeman dff join our discord it's free it's awesome we talk about stuff you want to talk about and we also have a youtube channel uh if you're into youtube so Check this out. Have a good night.